right. So uh, today we've got Brian Esposito, which I used your thing on link, LinkedIn where I pronounced your name uh, using your voice. And I'm awesome. And I never have used that for anyone else. And and I think I want to do one for me, but it not be the right <laughs> pronunciation of my name just to be an a-hole. Well, so, gamers. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> that's right um there's some stupid accent that's a, what what i need to do be like, well, people just they already think i'm an idiot and so brian's a founder and a ceo and an investor and a warrior poet and a part-time broadway dancer you that's, saw that that's maybe true that was, um that was a you, rough go that was when the bills were tight i had to go and do anything i could so. that's right i'll shake my ass for a nickel <laughs> And then, um, and so you graduated from Monmouth University in uh, in twenty or two thousand and three, which, by the way, coincided with uh, Justin Timberlake topping the charts with "Rock Your Body." Listen, that's what got me through that last semester. By the that's, way, that's right. It, for that song, I still do there. So it's either that or R. Kelly's ignition. One well, of we those can't two. R. Kelly anymore. You know, I used to love all his music. He got he's amongst the million people that got canceled. Fully canceled, and he probably deserved it. Uh, yeah, yeah, he did it. So tell us about your history. Like, give us the last, you know, 10 or 15 years or whatever it is. Like, give us the, give us the, the fast forward version. I'll go as fast as I can. So it's 20 plus years of my professional career right now. Always as an entrepreneur, even as a teenager, just finding opportunities, filling a need, uh, find a need, fill a need, something I've always done and continue to do. Started in the beauty industry. So I built the first B2B, B2C e-commerce platform for beauty. Got to launch a bunch of amazing brands, over 1,200 of them through our uh, beauty distribution, retail and e-tail. Got to work with every famous celebrity icon, influencer, actress, actor that you can think of. And uh, it was an amazing journey. I was Amazon's first beauty luxe retailer. I was Jet.com's first retailer. I got to be the first to launch Google Wallet, which was an ultimate failure, but still was honored to have my <laughs> little beauty company working with the likes of Google. Yeah. So a lot of, a lot of great things like that. During building that company, which was amazing, I had the wrong model. I just kept, I was an ant farm. I was just excited to have the brands and I kept bringing brands in and launching brands, but I never had equity ownership into the brand. That wasn't in my mind. It should have been from day one. And I helped build hundred million dollar brand, multi-billion dollar brand. So when these brands use me for distribution, credibility and, and moving volume, they got bought out by the likes of Louis Vuitton, Estee Lauder, L'Oreal, Revlon, you know, the big beauty companies, Parton Gamble. I had no attachment to the upside and I lost the brand because those other companies have their own distribution models. So it was, it was I hit a point one day where I hated my inventory which I used to love and cherish. It just being, again, this ant farm. So then I said, I need to own as much as this pie as possible. So then I said, oh, we're launching all these products for musicians, all these perfumes for singers like Taylor Swift. Uh, we have to launch the Kardashians perfume brand. I said, well, then we're going we're gonna to launch something in the music industry. So I went and found a band, launched a band, like an idiot would say, going into the music industry over a decade ago. But we did great. We, we brought them to a Macy's iHeart top rising star. We got some great momentum. We had a TV show concept being built around them. Then I was building a, uh, products around them. Then I said, well, I'm not going to go and partner with an apparel or merchandising company. We'll own the apparel and merchandising company. So as you can see, this is where I started this mess that I was building of just owning as much as I possibly yeah. can. Vertically integrating as much of as you everything, possibly could. Yeah. Everything, Every, even oxygen, if I could. Everything was. I, said, <laughs> I needed to have control over all this because I was always the one chasing people for promises, chasing people for crumbs. It was, it was uh, very deflating as an entrepreneur to do great things and rely on other people to 
honor their commitments and words, it's not usually, it doesn't usually line up. Yeah. I know I'm a man of my word. My history speaks for it. Some things take a little longer than we expected, but I always do what I say I'm going to do. But unfortunately, a lot of people don't get that memo when they're going through life or they're just on a different journey or, you know, just need to go through life a few more times to catch up where I am. So fast forward to today, very longly, as you asked me to do the cliff notes on it, it there's 110 companies in my holdings. There's over 200 joint ventures around the world and probably operating in 25 different industries. I look at it like exceptional IP products, technology, solutions, and services, great management in place, running these companies and pushing them forward. Everybody has to have strong ethics, strong integrity, very humble and very high levels of empathy. We're not a egotistical, greedy culture of a, of a holding company. And then they're protected and supported by great legal accounting, compliance and regulatory. And then that's all wrapped up and, and supported by investment bank and private banking and strategic capital partners. So that's what I built. And that was amazing. I built that for me and what I wanted to accomplish in this life that I was given and leave my mark. What I love to do over the last seven years or so, and what you see on my LinkedIn of all these companies that I believe in and that I'm part of, yeah. I get invited into startups, even at the Fortune 500 companies. And my model is very basic, very simple. I'm holding all these great things, connecting that with you and your company. How do I make you more valuable? How do I get you re generating revenues? How do I make you more profitable? How do I help ensure you're on a successful path? Not this raise money, run out of money, raise money, run out of money BS that a lot of companies find themselves on. I do believe in very old school, very simple psychologies. If you want to be in business, you have to have revenues. And if you want to stay in business, you got to be profitable. Simple yeah. as that. Yeah. Not not raising money, running out of money, raising money, running out of money, and then ultimately being diluted out of your own company, which is your brain, which is your dreams that your wife, you said, shoots those. Yeah, she kills them. All of them. All of them. Somebody like me is very interesting to an entrepreneur because I know exactly what they need. I'm there to support them. I'm there to protect them. And I'm there to make sure that they value that equity in every point as much as possible. And I want to show them how to succeed based off all the crap that I've been through and all my learning experiences and utilizing some very sound traditional business practices and philosophy. Okay. That's it. All right. And I'll mop the floor and throw the garbage out in the bathroom. We just do what we need to do. Yeah. Well, you know, one a couple things in there, you hit on a couple things. I was making some notes, you know, I, I, that raise money, run out of money. They're literally training people to do that in school, which is, that's a whole nother discussion in and of itself. <laughs> but that that's the, that's the model they're training them. Like we, we want you to raise all this money and then spend it. You have to spend it. And then you need to go raise money again. And then you have to spend it to just try to like manipulate a value. And that's not running a business and they're not <laughs> It's crazy. It is crazy no, to me. And they're trained. It's so I give, I, I speak to a lot of entrepreneurs and startups. I'm part of great incubators because I want to see people succeed. And if I can help inspire even one person that's motivating and rewarding for me, yeah, they, they tilt their head like a dog when I'm talking. But then after 10 minutes, they start, it starts to make sense. It's, it's math. And I say you, you can't be half pregnant. Either you're running your business or you're out raising money. You cannot do both successfully and effectively at the same time. It's not, it's not, it's not possible. Yeah. I love that. I like, I, maybe one of my favorite things of the podcast are just these little one-liners we get from people that are things you've maybe heard in the past. Like you yeah. can't be half pregnant. It's right? either, it's, it's, but I guarantee you somebody in the comments is going to say, Hey, wait a minute. I was half pregnant once. And then well, all of a sudden, yeah. Like, and then it's a whole nother. That's all right. <laughs> that's all right. So, all right. So you, you went through this process of like, which, 
there's this really big internal discussion that I'm having with what's happening in technology now in, in terms of the way we're trying to coach business owners and marketing teams. You have to start owning as much of your communication with your clients as you can is relying on platforms like social media platforms to be the only way you can communicate or relying on even a website that's held by like all the the IP is held by another company and you don't really own your even your own content there's so much of that that exists where if one thing goes away your business you know kind of falls falls away. And so if you don't own your customers and you don't own those conversations and you're not more vertically integrated um, without having to rely on data that you don't second party and third party data, you're in trouble. You're in really, really big trouble. And you need to start thinking right now about how you can centralize as much of that information as possible. And that, and that goes back to those, you know, some basics about being, you know, you you just, like you said, like you got to make money, you got to be profitable, you got to have sales. These are simple things. Like you just have to talk to people and you have to have relationships and those exist outside of, you know, Instagram ads, but I kind of got, I got long winded and, and something you were talking about the ant farm and that you turned around one day and you're like, I don't own any of this. I'm just a conduit for everybody else to make money. And I'm kind of getting my sliver of it. When you had that aha realization is when you, you started to build your first company. Uh, no, I was way too late. It took me 15 years to figure that out. But in the meantime, I was creating, I was always creating and I always had this arsenal of thoughts to incorporation, to putting a team around it. And then, and then it's there and supporting it. Now it all clicks because all these companies feed into each other. They all help each other. I had this master plan in my mind, but it took such a long time to get there. And as far as IP value and how important that is, we, you know, I've been building technology since I was a teenager. Do a lot in the music and entertainment space. We've built incredible technologies, help protect the creator. And, and understanding that that is your value, that is your ownership. One of our holdings, MetaLife, I'm a co-founder of, it's the first true Web3, 100% decentralized social media platform. So you own all of that data. It does, it's serverless. It does not sit on a server anywhere for someone to exploit that data, capitalize on it, and monetize you as a person. Building these things and understanding where the world was going and the importance of privacy and protecting the users is extremely important. But it's got to be a hybrid of both because those other platforms have the reach. They have the marketing billions to get people to sign up for those platforms, to get used to sharing things about you and liking things and building this, you know, virtual twin of you. So they do serve an important purpose and they have been extremely profitable and they, they employ hundreds of thousands of people. So you can't say that they don't do good in the world because those people that work for those platforms go out and spend money and there's a whole economy around that. But at the end of the day, the user is not properly valued and that's where they miss the boat. The reason they're not properly valued is because those companies are public and because they're public, they have to generate really good profitability and earnings for their stock price to be up. Right. And that's how that whole model works. So uh, I, you're seeing it now with Elon with X, he's sharing so much of those revenues and has this entire plan of sharing advertising revenues and subscription revenues and really showing the creator and the IP owner on my platform, which is his, you're going to earn as much as you possibly can because that's the way it's supposed to be. Yeah. I'm curious, you brought this up. What do you think about what he's doing with X? Do you think it's going to be a clown show or do you think that he's got a good plan potentially for what he's going to do with it? He's got a great plan. I think he's battling, I shouldn't say, I don't, I hate when I make opinions. I don't work at X, I'm not in their offices, but I know it's got to be tough getting tech 
technology support based off of, I think, all the brainwashing that all these other talents have been through at Google, at Facebook, slash Meta, at previous Twitter, to get people to understand the way that it should be, I think that's his biggest obstacle internally and in getting good talent to help him build out the platform. There's been a lot of, I wouldn't say issues, but typically when you have someone like his caliber in a company like that, you can spin updates quickly. You can get new features launched quickly. I think that's been a struggle for him, which is unfortunate because he's retraining what people have spent decades or years inside of other cultures and corporations. Again, brainwash is the only word I can think of. Yeah. This is the way we do it. We censor this, we censor that. This is what we allow. This is what we don't allow. And then trying to change that is very difficult. Are we doing that repetitively for 10 plus hours a day for how many years? So once he can get a brand new, really good, strong corporate culture, I think he, no pun intended, he goes to the moon. So I think he's done a good, and he's, and he's got the financial backing and, and know-how to really do anything and change things that, um, listen, it's not easy to go into the automobile industry and disrupt it like he did. I don't care how much money you have. That's that's almost an impossible task because of the good old boy network and the way things are done. And he did it. So the fact that he did that, there's nothing he can't do. Besides yeah. be besides be a US president, and that's because he wasn't born here. Yeah, but maybe right. maybe he can change that rule too. Who Try to work on that. I, jury's still out for me on that one. And I'm it's not a question of whether or not I think that it's possible for him to do it. Cause like you said, he's kind of proven everybody wrong, you know, right or wrong to a degree at some point with the resources he had, you're right. I mean, he's got an entrenched group of people, not only the people that are there at the company, but also the users. There's a lot of backlash in, in that sense. And I don't know if he went about it the, the right way. Cause he had the money to have built something from scratch and then he could have integrated, um, Doesn't work us that way. users into it in a different way. Well, it's buying what he did, I'm not sure. I'm not sure this way is going to work either. Right. Well, I don't think Threads is doing well. They're try they tried to roll out a competitor and it doesn't you really can't launch a social media platform and just say, Oh, I'm gonna get all the users. Twitter's been doing this for a long time. Yeah. Yeah, no, and Threads is a really good point um, because they obviously did not do a good job of moving everybody over to use that because I'll go and look at it and it's pretty much a ghost town. There's people that are using it for the sake of using it, but not because that it's a it's a good community. So that that's a good point. I don't know if there's a way to win that one one way or another. I'm also wondering if he's the savior or Lex Luthor. Like I'm still go back and forth on him. Is he is he the good the good guy or the bad guy? I don't know. I'm curious to see where that where that ends. One day he'll say something that you're like all right, I think he's maybe he's trying to do the right thing. And the next day you're like, come on, dude, <laughs> you got it. Like, no. So I kind of want to talk about the, the holdings a little bit. So you have this holding company where you've gone and invested in as a majority owner, as a complete owner of a hundred and something different companies. Is that right? So the, the holding company I've been building since over 20 years, that's wholly owned by me. Holdings underneath it are either wholly owned companies, majority owned, or a substantial equity ownership. So that's how that all works. And the whole concept there is all these companies share resources, they work with each other, they open up markets, they create, and they support each other. Uh, two weeks ago, I announced I took over a public company called Diamond Lake Minerals. DLMI is the uh, ticker symbol. What I my career is moving into over the last decade or so, I've been in things known as crypto and um, digital assets, never as a speculator. I never go and buy Bitcoin or Ethereum and say, I hope it goes up. Same thing applies to companies and stocks. I got out of stocks since 2008 when that whole crap show happened. Right. Use these technologies and tokenizations with our own companies and say, how do we use this and build value and utility 
as another asset class like cash and credit and borrowing. It's another way of building community and, and another business channel for our holdings. So through that journey, I said, okay, security tokens are going to be the right way to move forward, which are registered, regulated SEC digital securities. And that's where we've spent a lot of our time, resources, and learning to do that and do that correctly. And then launch things like security tokens on platforms like INX to help companies raise capital, to help bring in new global investors that want to be part of something that you couldn't do with traditional securities. So so where we're moving with Diamond Lake Minerals and why I've taken over that public company is for the first of its kind of a hybrid of traditional securities and registered SEC digital securities in one vehicle. So that I believe is the prudent next step in bringing generational wealth that's used to buying stocks and bonds. They trust that system. They trust regulation because they're sitting on the sidelines because they don't trust crypto. They don't understand security tokens. They don't believe in it. So they're talking about billions and billions and billions and billions of dollars that would play in this world if they trusted it. So we're creating something to give them familiarity and to support all the companies and our holdings that we believe in and know that the future of securities are digital securities. So of this portfolio, what's what's the count of the companies you have in there? Over 110 companies in my holdings. They have not moved over into the public vehicle. Just announced me taking that over. And then we have a structure and strategy as to which ones go in and how this whole world will look. It'll look like an old school GE conglomerate of media, entertainment, consumer products, technology. In that, and that's a great kind of a segue, where are you heavy? Where are you light? What, are you, what have you really liked buying in the past? I'm really curious in, in terms of the size of some of these companies, like when you got started, were you going really small? Did you kind of, you know, talk your way into a situation that you maybe shouldn't have talked your way into in the beginning? Like what, how, what were your acquisition strategies? There's a lot of questions in there. Yeah, well, it took me a long time to perfect this model. And each one is case by case. There's all different situations that either it was, um, I, I love distressed assets. I think they're the best thing in the world. They're distressed companies with a holdings like mine, it's peanut butter and jelly. What can I take that and pair it up with to make something magical and turn something around and then support it with a good strategy? So they're all case by case. There's not one that's, uh, there's not one universal strategy here. But now with the, the public vehicle, the, the plan is to use that stock as a currency. So building value, earnings, these companies, we have to have earnings. I want to achieve monthly distributions for our shareholders, which include me as mm -hmm. a shareholder. And now use that currency or that stock as our currency to go out and then go after bigger companies that have strong earnings, consistent, healthy earnings. I don't, not the unicorn guy. We don't want BS valuations that aren't sustainable. It's just these great companies and management and access. I think what I've accomplished, the, the most valuable thing that I've obtained over the last 20 years is having access to incredible CEOs and private people that, you know, money can't buy. So having those relationships, nurturing those relationships, uh, the board that I put together here are some phenomenal icons that I trust and value and admire. And they're in back in me because they see how hard I work and where I believe the direction that we're taking this is the correct way for what the future is going to be for web two to web three companies. And it's been great. I've hopefully have gotten my ass kicked enough throughout this journey. I'm, I'm, I'm over it and I just want to do good things and surround myself with good people. Um, I think true freedom is the ability to have choices. And I love the fact that I can get up and walk away from a meeting or a room. If I just sense a toxic, evil person, I just, you know, no, tired of it. No more. That is um, certainly a freedom that I think not everybody can enjoy, but everybody wants to to be able to, you know, we, I, the conversation I had yesterday was just about the word no. And no is a, you know, uh, the, the guest I was talking to, she said no is a sentence. <laughs> you know? oh, yeah. it, 
And you're like, that's pretty solid. I kind of like that. Like it tells you everything you need. So I'm going to keep digging in on the, on the company side a little bit. Cause I'm just personally fascinated, right? You know, you're saying you're looking for good CEOs and you're looking for profitability and you're looking for sales. Some of these cases, whether or not they were distressed assets or, you know, whatever else, are, are there certain industries that you've kind of targeted that you were like, I really know how to turn these around? Kind of all of them. What I tend to say is I don't get involved. Here's the ones I don't get involved in. Firearms, tobacco, the adult entertainment industry. So those three, not interested right now. I do believe depending upon your level of what you think is substantial, there's opportunities in every industry. It doesn't matter. So as long as it fits the reach and the story that I'm building, and now with touching so many industries, it, people understand why I was building this. And again, it was for my own protection. It was to stop people from using me and taking advantage of me. So I had to flip the script, use me, I'm all for it, but I'm going to control that narrative. And I'm not chasing you for what you're supposed, what I'm supposed to get. You're going to get what you're supposed to get. Cause that's the type of person I am. You, I don't, you don't have to worry about me honoring my commitment. So I just had to flip the script on that and scaling this thing. And the opportunities come in like crazy. As long as you surround yourself with good management and people that understand the consistent strategy here and everybody's seen and everybody's heard and everybody feels valued, it's a great situation. My job is to identify the snakes and make sure that they don't come in and mess this up because it only takes one. And if you sense it, you know, I'm 42 now and I, I tend to think if people are 25 years or older, that's who they are mm -hmm. unless they've had some life-changing near-death experience. So. If you're that age or older and you're not meshing with my expectations of integrity and uh, character, I'm not judging you. It doesn't work for me. Go away. See you later. I'm not your priest. I'm not your guidance counselor. I'm not your parent. I'm not here to fix you. I'm here to build what I want to build. I'm here to protect what I built. And I'm here to give opportunities for people that are like-minded like me. And I'm not perfect, but I know what I can and can't work with. So I need to focus on what I can work with, which is why I can accomplish so much because I'm not dealing with toxic, stressful, anxiety, people, or situations. It's just, it's just fluid. Okay, that's interesting. So now you've got this huge list of companies that you've worked with for varying amounts of time where it seems like most of them you're you're involved in the strategy to kind of help them. And so to kind of expand more about, I mean, you could even like give me the last company that would be on the list. How are you involved with them? How did you get involved with them? What are you doing for them? What's the symbiotic relationship? Sure. So um, Starchive is a recent one that I just, um, and I've known them for over a decade. Think of a Dropbox on steroids for IP creators and being able to have complete control and management over your IP your digital assets. They did the Bob Dylan estate and all of his archives. So they work with tremendous states and icons like that. And it's also great for the individual user. My job is to help them grow, open up opportunities. And they're going through a, a capital raise because they have some great organic growth. They have over a hundred thousand users without spending any money on marketing. So people mm -hmm. like the product. That's always got to be uh, you know, criteria one. Product's got to be good, whether it's a song, service, beverage got to solve, solve some problem that people want to have solved so that's key 
you know, I can't, I can't get behind things that I don't believe in or that I don't think is good because that's going to jeopardize my, my personal brand. So uh, getting involved, and I could tell you why I take strategy or head of strategy or head of global partnership. I'm really a utility player, player for the company across all of their team members, someone that's there to help them achieve whatever the ask is quickly and efficiently. But I won't take the CEO roles because I need the visionary and the, or the leader to always hold that role because they tell the story the best. That's their fabric that they've created and put into the market. I stopped taking advisory or board level roles. And this is where I started this new model seven yeah. or so years ago, because I need to know what's going on in the company. Uh, board members and advisors, they can open up doors and they can you know, create a moment. But if you don't know what's going on in the day to day, and I'm, I need to be there ensuring that those executives have fiduciary duties over the capital that's coming in. They're not buying Ferraris and they're not living lavishly while they're borrowing money or, or taking investments. And I need to also make sure that I'm there to help them. And if I'm calling in for an hour a month, that it's no, it's wasting my time because I'm they're not getting the best value for me. So that's why I take an in the trenches role. And I love to be in the trenches with management. I love to like, hell, if it's bad, tell me how bad it is and where all the bodies are buried, and we're gonna yeah. go figure it out. Like just full transparency. Yeah. And. I don't abandon things. Sometimes things take a little bit longer than I expected for various reasons, but I love being in the in the trenches with them. So Starkive again. So I just recently joined them, but I've known the, I've known the company for a long time. I love the tech, and now it's about okay. You have this amazing user base. You have this great technology and data storage system that creators love that gives them full control. How do we monetize that? And we connect them with things like on-demand print services and companies that I work with. And then we look at how do we monetize the IP and ensure that IP is being correctly earning in different markets around the world. So connect them with an IP management company. And again, it's just looking at my current partnerships and holdings and bringing in pieces that they didn't have access to, or maybe they weren't thinking about that helps them become more valuable, gives a better experience to their user base, creates more revenue. So they don't maybe don't have to raise the money they're trying to raise. And now all of a sudden it, everything shifts. So the management goes from worry and anxiety because we're trying to raise money to seeing things happening, to money coming in. And then the, the investors that maybe were on the sidelines see this momentum, then they went in because they could see it's a little bit more de-risk. So hopefully that gave you a good kind of summary, but that's that's my rinse and repeat model. Come in, add value, boost their balance sheets, create things that they couldn't have done without someone like me, or maybe it would have taken them longer. And um, and yeah, just win, win, win situations for everybody that I connect with. No, that's a, I think that was a perfect example. That's a really good explanation. And so with, like you, you, you said, I don't have, you know, if I'm just going to talk to you for an hour a month or whatever else, is there value both ways? You clearly have a lot going on. You've got your holdings, however many other companies that you're, how many total companies are you involved with in a, in a strategic? Oh, it's a role? lot. Okay. So lots enough. Yeah. <laughs> How do you, how are you able to provide the value that's needed, right? In these cases, because I, I agree with you. Like if you're just, you know, showing up to what I call lovingly call seagull management is flying and shit on everybody and fly out, then what's, that's done help anyone. So how are you able to, to provide the value? Let me answer this in a lot of ways. So my mind works better with more so I can connect dots and the minute I talk with somebody, I can think of somebody that I met in the airport 10 years ago that I saved on my phone, that I stayed in touch with because I knew there was going to be something and I just connect them. So my mind works really fast, thankfully, 
God, thank God for that. And then all these dots I connect on the fly. Organization, it's WhatsApp groups for everything. And we, we just keep things moving. It's on and off the plate. There's no, there's no real pile up in my life. And I think a lot of it has to do with, I don't use Facebook or Meta or Instagram. Uh, I like LinkedIn is what I love because I built my professional career there yep. or, or promoted my professional career there. And and X, and I love Twitter. So those two platforms are what I use, but it's not for personal use. I don't share anything personally. It's, uh, my private life is, there's a word private there for a reason. My public life is my work. And that's my value that I want to provide to people that may be listening to this great chat. I inspire somebody somewhere to like give a little bit extra or go another day and maybe they'll make it. That's my public persona in the world is that. When you take away the noise and distractions, I don't watch the news, I don't talk about politics. Like. There's a lot of time that people waste in what I believe has no value to anything besides entertainment, maybe, but more more importantly, it adds stress and anxiety to people's life. So there's certain conversations I don't even get involved with because I have things that I want to dedicate my time to. Yeah. So and my company motto from the beginning is time is our most precious commodity. And I'm a, I preach that and I, I listen to that. So I, I am what I preach. So with that being said, when you don't have to consume your day with nonsense, noise, and nothing of substance, you can accomplish a lot. And some people are just wired differently and do one thing and they do it great. And God bless them. Sometimes I'm jealous about that. But for me, the more there is to be in a, in a, in a, a, I don't know, a sandbox with, the more I can help all those pieces and be the person that puts it all together. I love it. No, it's good. I mean, I like, I like connectors and I like to connect people. And I think that's a, I mean, it's a, it's a noble thing in and of itself is it, it's a selfless thing of just being like, Hey, you know what? I know somebody that could potentially really help you. And, and, and that, I think that's how I, that's how I always was. And I still want to do that for free, but I had to stop doing that because people have business amnesia. I call it. They just forget about you. They take you out of the loop. Like there's a few different types of connectors. There's connectors like who I am now that's evolved where you control the connection because you know the outcome you want to happen. So you need to be part of the process. And that's very important to ensure things don't go sideways, make sure that both parties are ready for that connection. That's one of the most important things I learned in my career. It's yes, it's connecting the right people, but the missing piece to that was connecting the right people at the right time. And then for me, controlling that entire environment where we get to where we want to get to, then there's connectors that are like Tommy Boy in that chicken wing scene where they just are over, they're killing it. They're killing it because they're just so on top of it and they're strangling the life out of it and they're checking in with everybody and nobody wants to deal with that. So that was that's a connector that knew the opportunity but also killed the opportunity. And then, then there's the one that connects people and backs away, like I was saying, but doesn't properly nurture it so nothing happens or connects people, backs away, and those two or three people go off and build a billion-dollar company and you're watching them on CNBC and you're like, I connected them. I can't believe they completely forgot it. I didn't even get, I didn't even get a chicken sandwich. That's right. That's right. It's a, as a connector, it's, it's so infuriating and debilitating when you want to do it for the goodness of your heart, but you don't want to feel taken advantage of or forgotten. So that's why I've created this, you know, I guess my own model because I, I needed it for my own mental health and well-being. Yeah, it's your own. Well, it's your own network. I mean, it's, it, it, it really is decentralizing out of, say, LinkedIn or something else. You've created your own network and you've learned to monetize it, right, in a way that you feel good about and everybody else feels good about. And that's, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I don't either. Well right. done. Yeah. 
<laughs> All right. Um, well, I thank you very much for spending some time uh, with us. I think I could probably talk to you for several hours more and dive into so many other things just because there's a lot of there's a lot that that could be discussed and there's a lot of detail i think in what you do that would be really enlightening so hopefully uh we'll get to have a, another conversation again in the future but um but yeah thank you so much for for joining us today thank you i appreciate the time Keep yeah where if people want to hunt you down I, I know where it is but where where are they gonna find you hunt me down i love when people do so Twitter slash X and LinkedIn, Brian J. Esposito. The corporate site's eie.rocks, so eie.rocks. If you don't have AI, I'm getting a lot of people that saying, is that an AI message? I respond back to everybody since day one. Um, so I'm very accessible. Um, I would love to try to help anybody I can. That's just in my DNA. And, and you're not, I think people have to get over feeling weak by asking for help. I think that's a place of strength. So if you need help, ask whether it's me or find somebody in your field that you admire, reach out to them. People do want to generally help people. I believe that wholeheartedly. And, uh, you know, put your guns on the table and let people what you know what you want to accomplish. And you'll, you'd be surprised. They can, they can move mountains with the right team around you. Yeah. No, I think that's, that's incredible advice. That's awesome.